Jesus served on both ends of the spectrum. He hangs out with prostitutes and he hangs out with poor people, but he's also healing a centurion son and walking with tax collectors. Jesus certainly ran to the margins and the marginalized and the oppressed, but he also ministered to the oppressors because both are trapped in the same system of sin, just from opposite directions. You're listening to the Pocket Pulpit Podcast with Sarah Kinzer and Hector Martinez, part of the TCD Podcast Network. Hey, everyone. Welcome once again to the Pocket Pulpit Podcast. Uh, I'm Hector, one of your co-hosts, and today I'm joined with my co-host, Sarah. Hey. Hi, Sarah. And today we've got a friend of the show, Aaron Duvall. What's hey, up? Aaron. Thanks for having me on, finally. Yeah, thanks for finally coming on. I've been banging down their door trying to get on this. And yeah, they- absolutely. Yeah, we just kept saying like, you know, I don't know if we want to talk about that on, on the show. Like, <laughs> I don't know if, if the cast irons are, are what we want to talk about, you know. Uh, but no, um, it, it is good to have you on the show. Yeah, and friend is for real. Aaron is, um, Aaron is the one who introduced me to Twitter. Um, but Aaron, I knew from back in the in the real world days back when you know in the before times before online was something that I thought about well I'll save this and ask you this when we ask but Aaron just tell people who don't know you from back in the day who are you who's your people what's your life um so I'll make it quick I grew up in southern Ohio um and your husband actually taught me how to wrestle. Um, so he was, he, <laughs> I know, right. Uh, and, uh, you know, little rural Ohio town, my dad was a pastor. Um, my parents still live in this same house that, that we bought when I was six years old and probably will live there for the entirety of their lives. Um, and grew up as a PK, wanted to be a doctor, um, thought that looked like a lot of fun. Doctors make a lot more money than pastors. That's a fact. Um, and then I want to be a surgeon because it may sound weird, but surgeons don't have to like talk to people. Like they just get, do their thing and they're excited and they go on. And that felt at the time good for me. Um, I, I, I don't know. I don't talk about this a lot. So people in the time, I don't know. I stutter. Um, you won't hear it today as much because this is just a conversation. But when I get tired or whatever, I'll stutter. Um, and I had to have my tongue clipped. So public speaking felt like a really bad idea um, for me. Went to Indiana Wesleyan as a philosophy major um, and uh, just trying to figure out life. Went through a series of just craziness uh, through college. Um, kind of walked away from the faith in a lot of ways. Um, and uh, it, what, you know, deconstruction is such a phrase now that everyone's like, oh, I deconstructed. Like, I didn't really deconstruct per se. Like, I just, I couldn't believe anymore. Like, it was like, I wanted to believe in, and. So like when people are like, oh, people that deconstruct do it because they want to do this, this, this. Like I wanted to believe. I wanted it to be real. I just didn't know if I had faith anymore. Um, so there was a whole process there coming back and building Christianity around Jesus, which I mean, seems really simple now. But back then I was like, oh, novel thought. I should use this. Um, God ordained in my home denomination, which is uh, the Church of Christ of Christian Union, a very small holiness group that um, kind of prevalent in Ohio. Um, eventually went to the, the, the college there, the Bible college that my uh, home denomination uh, sponsors. And I was a chaplain, director of spiritual formation for 10 years, met my wife, 
got married. She's like, uh, let's go out West. And so we moved to New York uh, for three years. <laughs> um, and I was a teaching pastor there at a Wesleyan church. Absolutely loved it. Uh, my lead pastor there um, really just reaffirmed for me that you could be a, a lead pastor of a large church and not be a jerk. Mm. Um, I, I, he was just, him and my dad are, are two, just the strongest influence on me ministerially of people I've actually met and um, just served with him for three years and loved it. Absolutely had a blast. Thought I'd be there forever. Um, some weird stuff started happening. God kind of moved and uh, uh, go West young man uh, became our motto. And, and we are now in Idaho Falls um, in Idaho, uh, kind of about an hour and a half, two hours South of Yellowstone and about two hours West of uh, Jackson Hole, Wyoming. And I'm a lead pastor here now um, at a Nazarene church. So I'm, I'm officially a part of the, the nasty Nazes. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So i um, doing that now. I've been here for about six months. Um, yeah. And just, uh, just carving out a church in the middle of really what is Mormon country. It's, it's very uh, high, high, high percentage uh, LDS folks here. Rexburg, which is where BYU uh, Rexburg is about 30 minutes north of us. So they're about 75% LDS. I think our town is about 40 to 45% LDS. So um, mm. an entirely different context for ministry than I've ever been in. Mm. And I'll be honest, in some ways, uh, I think the context here is similar in the sense of what you would see in an online ministry, in the sense that you're engaging with a lot of people that think very differently and have to be very careful on how you talk and minister in that context here. So so that's that's it in a nutshell. Okay. Um, and what platforms are you on and what is your preferred platform? Um, so I'm on I'm on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. I lurk on TikTok, but I do not produce on TikTok. Um, I don't have the time or the talent to pull you off. You, man. you got it. You got it. Uh, I, at this point, I'm just like, I, that's, TikTok is the easiest to go viral right now. It's actually TikTok and Twitter are about the only two that you can go viral on uh, because of the way that the algorithms work. Um, Instagram, it's nearly impossible anymore to build a platform there unless you have an outside platform that you can funnel into it. At least that's my experience. Um, and Facebook, of course, you're limited to that kind of 5,000 friends, which I'm right on the edge of that. So um, depending on what I'm doing, like Facebook is a little more personal for me. A lot of church people follow me on Facebook. I do a lot of the church stuff on Facebook. Um, so the way I engage on Facebook is a little more subversively, like just kind of, hey, have you thought of this idea? No? Okay, don't worry about it. Um, Twitter, uh, a couple of people follow me on Twitter that know me in real life, and they're like, that's kind of a different Aaron. And I'm like, well, I, you know, it's Twitter, you know how it is. Twitter takes a, a, just a life of its own. Um, so I'm on Twitter probably more than anything else, um, simply because I'm a words person, and I don't, I don't, the imagery and stuff on Instagram. I think it's cool. If I do something on Instagram, most of the time I'm like posting something that I posted on Twitter. I'm just screenshotting it and taking it over there. Um, yeah. yeah. But I don't let that port into Facebook because Facebook's a whole nother world in my world. Yeah. What's your app? My app? At, at. Oh, handle. Got it, got it. My handle. Rev Dove. I'm new. Is how I would pronounce it. Uh, That's what I wanted to talk about. Say it again. <laughs> So yeah, my Aaron Duvall is how I say it with a duh because I'm Southern Ohio. The French would look at me and be like, that's Duval. Uh, Duval. Uh, so, but I would say most of the people on Twitter see it as Rev Duv. 
maybe because a lot of them actually will spell it d-o-o-v sometimes um, I don't know. How, do you, how do you guys say it well when I saw it I mean I didn't ever think of this until I joined Twitter it was never a question for me that your name would be said any different way and yeah. so like I would I found myself a couple months in when I realized like I looked at your handle and was like have I said his name wrong like the entire, <laughs> is it have I been calling his family the wrong name? Like, is and then I sat there and I was like, Duvall, 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 Duvall. That's the same thing. But then when you stop, it's different. There's is it red dove yeah. or is it red do? And How then I would say in your head, Duvall. So if you were going to look at my handle, Hector, how would you say it? I say red dove. Yes. See, that makes me feel better. But I, I. I followed someone else I feel like that has Rev. And so like, I think anyway, I just say Rev Dove. So can I, an aside, and you can decide whether to keep this in or not. The reason I changed my name to that was it used to be OCU Chap when I was at Ohio Christian University as the chaplain. And we had a professional football kicker come and speak in chapel. And he made some comments that I didn't particularly appreciate. And so I went on Twitter and I, I was following him and he started ripping on Tim Tebow, like really bad, like to the point that it felt personal. And he was like, Tim Tebow is the worst football player I have ever seen ever in my life in 15 years and whatever. And I'm like, I wrote him back and I was like, that's ridiculous. Like we both know there's worse football players. So he didn't respond. So then he made another statement. Well, this guy was notorious for missing a couple field goals in overtime. So he made another comment about Tim. And I wrote, I bet Tebow would have hit at least one of those three field goals in overtime against the Giants. He called my boss, my vice president and the president of the university and said that I was being malicious, vindictive and unchristlike and deserved to be let go. And he left he, oh. he left a message on voicemail on my office phone asking why I was being so malicious towards him. And so my VP calls me freaking out. Like, what have you done? And I'm like, I had 600 followers at this point, 600 followers. He had like 22,000. I'm like, just block me. No one knows me. Like, no one cares what I'm saying. So he freaked out. So that's when I changed it. And I decided I would never have whatever organization I was with a part of my name because I just didn't want anyone else to get in trouble for me being goofy. So anyway, yeah. so there's my, there's my revved up story. That's going to be the bonus Patreon content. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Oh, man. No. <laughs> um, okay, so earlier you, you talked about um, kind of your, your context being very similar to online ministry. Sure. Obviously, our podcast is about online ministry. And so um, here at the show, we, we talk often about building and creating community online as a way, to, uh, a way to minister to people online. But today, we want to look at the communication side of this. Uh, you know, this month in particular has been pretty heavy on social media, um, just in general. And, and it's been reflected in the conversations online. There are serious conversations happening that need to happen. But there are also people posting with high emotions uh, from defensive positions. There are learning opportunities to be had if we can get people to slow down enough to have conversation, right? And so rather than just posting out of reaction to actually have conversation about these topics. 
but it's it's actually really hard to slow down. And we know this, you know, just from being online. So all of this conversation can quickly turn into a tidal wave of information and emotion. And all of a sudden, online spaces are exhausting and their divisive nature is worse than ever. And when things do calm down, the design of the algorithm is to keep you headed in the direction of your engagement in those more chaotic times. And so um, one thing that we think and we have noticed is that you're very good at guiding the flow of conversation. You're thoughtful and you're thought provoking. Now, is it, we just want to know, we want to get our conversation started by, by asking, is that something that you have had to work at that you feel comes natural as a part of who you are? Uh, you just shared a story about uh, a tweet back and forth, but you know, is that something that you've had to work at or, or something that is, is just who you are? I, I think honestly, it's, it's both. Mm. I've, I've always wanted to bring levity to conversations, whatever they may be. Um, I, I think it's not that, that things aren't serious, but when we, um, in any conversation we have where there's conflict, if we're not careful, it becomes very uh, enemy oriented, right? Like we other the people around us. Um, and there's people that have talked and written on this a lot smarter than me. Um, but when we, when we make somebody you're other than, and whether that's a label or that's the way we treat them, um, if, if you don't see a shared humanity in the people around you, you, you're not having conversations, right? We all know that. And, and so for me, I, I, I don't know, I, I think my dad probably helped me a lot with that. Cause my dad was, I, I remember when I would get mad at my dad as a kid and he would like laugh, like he would just giggle at it. And I'd be like, what, how can you not be angry? Like, this is a big deal. And he would just like, he was just like, Aaron, I'm, I can't take this seriously, you know? And then I'd be like, you know, I'd be so mad. And eventually we talk about it. And, you know, looking back years later, I'm like, he totally diffused me, you know? I mean, mm. and I, I had no clue what was going on. And my, my dad is a master of relationships. He, he's so much better than I am, um, really at everything we do, <laughs> truthfully. Um, he's, he's a great pastor. He has a business mind. He loves people. Um, and so I think a lot of it was just learning, watching him and, and I got to watch him in some tense situations over the period of ministry. Um, and so then you bring that online and right. If you want, if you want a following, you create outrage. There's no one that's creating a following that doesn't know that. Um, the first couple of tweets that I did that went, what was my version of viral, um, was me just like poking the bear, whatever it may be. And I realized I was getting followers out of that. So I kept doing it. And then I realized that all my followers were angry. Mm. And all of a sudden I had created this culture of like, we're all ticked off at everything. And it didn't take that too long before if they disagreed with me or one another, that it just turned, right? So because we were all looking for outrage, if we didn't find it outside of our circles, we found it within our circles. Mm. And that honestly was painful uh, because as much as what everybody else says, like I, I, I treat my friends on social media like friends. I have people that I've met on social media that I've never met in person uh, that were lifers. I have no doubt about that. And so, so that was like this painful realization of, oh, I've cultivated a not super healthy feed. Um, and so that, I, I take ownership of that. That's my fault. 
That's not their fault. They, 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 they took the bait that I gave them and ran with it. That's my fault. Um, and so I realized, first of all, that's not even holistically who we are. No one's angry that much all the time, right? And so if I was gonna create a place where people could have real conversations, I had to be who I was, not just kind of who I was portraying. And I, don't, I wasn't being fake, I was just only portraying part of the conversation. Um, so I, I did kind of work at it, to be honest. How, how do I make this more healthy? How, how do we engage without always, you know, looking for the next person to knife? Um, does that make sense? Yeah, no, it does. And, and so, yeah, I, I think you've answered the question of like how, how you can build a following and how, you know, as you're engaging online, like you can, you can kind of shape the, the conversations. Um, I want to ask a follow-up question and, and it might seem very close to it, but I, I want to hear your thoughts. Okay. Why, why does it matter the way that we engage in public online, like the, the yeah. online timeline or, or feed? Because it's not, it's not a fake place. It's a real place. Um, how I engage with my waiter at a restaurant matters. Um, how I engage to the person in front of me that I always pick the slowest person on earth at Target. Um, but how I, how I treat them in those few minutes matters. Just because I don't know them personally or I'm not gonna see them again, doesn't mean it's not real life. I mean, when you go on vacation, you may be in another state, but how you treat the people around you matters. Um, and so I, I started to realize that I wasn't convinced that I, and I was never like, I don't know, say never. I'm sure you can find a couple of tweets of mine that were a little extra cutting, but my personality was never to go for the jugular. Like it was, it was always this kind of like, you see that you're an idiot, right? Like, you know, but, but I, I, I wanted to make sure that the person that I was being online, it, that's who you are. That's not a persona. Like that's who you are. That's an outflow of who you are. And you're treating real people behind the keyboard that way. Um, and you're just because you can't see their reaction when you type something doesn't mean it didn't affect them. And I saw how I was affected a couple times by sometimes people that I had no clue they were. And to that one, somebody told me, you know, you wouldn't let the drunk guy in the corner that's yelling insults at you affect you. Um, so people that I ha that have no influence over me, I I've been able to kind of like, eh. but there were times that it was people that I, that I thought we were close, or at least I thought that we were developing a relationship. And I realized that the way that I, I was engaged with hurt. And I started going, man, this, this guy, this, this can look different. All right. I, at least I hope it can look different. Yeah. Do you think it's possible? Do you think it's possible to build a platform without outrage? I don't know. Uh, not, on the grand scale, I think it's difficult just because of the way social media works. Um, yeah. I mean, there's certainly people that, build their platform on memes or build their platform on youth pastor voice, you know, mm -hmm. you think you're based, but do you know what the real hope is based on, you know, type stuff. Um, and, you know, so th th those are certainly there. Um, and I've seen, I've seen those create and cultivate. I think, yeah. I mean, I wouldn't say that I'm particularly outrageous anymore. I don't know. Maybe, maybe other people would disagree maybe you guys are rolling your eyes like no you're an outrage machine like i i don't know and i don't feel that like it's i don't know i don't know i haven't looked at i don't know that my platform is less i do think i mean i can think of a few people who have 
I mean, and I, I don't mean just from a strictly, I can think of several people who, regardless of the size of their um, following, their platform is developed not on um, outrage, it's developed on on being thoughtful and um, yeah. And, and so that, like, good. They've built a platform, and and some of them have also built a following. Yes. Yeah. And I, and I think that's I important. Say, I would say Heather Day. Yes. Has done a good job of cultivating a platform that's not built on outrage. It's not that she doesn't call things out when necessary but she yeah. wasn't an outrage machine. And that's actually what attracted me to following her in the first place was she had thoughtful posts. We didn't always agree, but we, she had thoughtful posts about stuff that maybe I was thinking about like, oh. Um, so yeah, certainly there are. I, I think during COVID time, it was just a lot easier to build it on outrage. How about that? Yeah. 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 Well, and it, it even, I think, I think we've talked about this too, Sarah, in, in an earlier episode that like, the question really isn't even about platform anymore, but about influence mm -hmm. and that you can build influence without having the platform or a large platform. And so, you know, the following influence, I think, is a closer conversation. I think in, in the conversations we've had, even where the people we, we have been able to talk to have influence in online spaces because they're trusted voices and the way that they have sure. um, interacted and engaged. And to your, to your point, Aaron, right, that it matters the way that they've interacted with people. So now they have a consistent following and, and to our conversation that isn't built on outrage, just yeah. being angry all the time. Sarah actually helped me process this at one point. Um, and it's a phrase she's used pretty often. I'm sure she uses it on the show often. The idea of moving from social media to social ministry, right? Social media looks for a platform mm -hmm. um, because you're just getting your information out. Um, when churches talk about media, right? What do they talk about? They talk about getting getting what's on our notebook onto what's on your notebook, right? So these are the information I have. Now you put it on yours, and um, and I, I like when when she when she, the first time I ever heard her say move from social media to social ministry, like my head exploded. Um, like I had to like log off and just be like, wait a minute. Like, cause that's a, the concept I believed in. I just didn't have a phrase for it. I'm not a wordsmith at the end of the day. Um, I'm a storyteller. That's what I do. Well, um, I'm not great at turns of phrases, which is why Twitter probably isn't, shouldn't be my best. TikTok may actually be where I should be. Um, but, um, Sarah does a great job of that. Um, and so <clears throat> I, I was actually being interviewed with Heather. Um, when we were talking about friendship and, and how to cultivate friends online. And I was like, this was a huge shift in my thinking was moving from, uh, I mean, not all of us, but let's be honest, a lot of people, when you start on a, on a social media thing, you're either there to connect with a few friends or you've got these ideas of grandeur of what you're going to be someday. Um, and you know, 2012, 2014, Aaron was pretty sure, you know, he was going to get on the speaking circuit and write a book and have millions of followers on Twitter. Um, which now that I see the people that have those things, I'm like, dear God, thank you that I, I, I you know, because I'm not emotionally stable enough to deal with the stuff that they deal with. Um, and 
but that it really rock kind of like it gave words to this idea like yeah i'm not i'm not trying to just give people information i'm not the sage on the stage like i want to start conversations in healthy ways um and so sometimes that's asking questions sometimes that's making points sometimes that's subtweeting stupid things out there and kind of like oh come on ways you know but it's hopefully starting conversations in a healthy way I, I go back a lot to a interview I heard years ago with the guy who started uh, Patagonia. And he yeah. talks about the ways that he um, impeded growth for his company to make it grow slow. Like he, he was purposefully trying to make it grow slow because he knew that you can make things explode really yeah. easily. But when they explode, then they don't grow. And so, but like, if you have slow, ongoing, healthy growth. And so I try to think of, of that, like, I, I think it is the, I don't think it's a bad desire to have, to want people to, if God's given you something to say, to want people to hear it. Sure. Agree. Um, Agree. Agree. I, I think that that's an, a fine desire. I think that where we go wrong is when we choose, okay, I have, I want people to hear my message. And so what I'm going to do is try to silence anybody else. Or what I'm going to do is I'm just going to scream it continuously. Or um, what I'm going to do is um, just focus really hard on, on the numbers, on like, let me get this. What can I do to impact the growth to speed it up? Yeah. Um, I think it weakens it weakens the message for one and our message shouldn't be weakened because I mean have you read the patient ferment of the early church no put it down you need to read it um it's talking about a lot of stuff how the how this sort of slow slow burn of the early church happened certainly there was explosive growth in certain places but then there's just this like discipleship and movement it's 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 a cool uh riff on some of the stuff you're talking about right there i i've I've never heard that about that guy in that interview i'm gonna look it up now uh the first time i use it in a sermon i'll give you credit and then the second time i'll just say someone told me and by the third time i'll just be like i've always said um (laughs) (laughs) uh, no but it's you're 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 dead on and there is there is danger in that, right? Like, let's just be honest. I was, t- I had a board meeting last night and I told my board, so my goal is to have at least one other person speak every month at our church. And it said, this is twofold. One is a congregation should never believe that their pastor is the only person that can proclaim truth. Two, a pastor should never believe that they're the only person that can, pl- can proclaim truth. Um, and that's a, I think that's just a smart safeguard, right? So then let's move out on the on the social media scale um if i'm the only one that's right and the only other people that write are people that agree with me um and i not just engage and push back but attack those who are coming from different angles um i I caught some heat i'll be honest it's been about a year ago now where i was like look i don't think all complementarian people are like evil patriarchs right i don't I have good friends that are good Christian people that are committed to scripture. And that's, you know, now 
I disagree with them. Mm. I'm very vocal about the fact that it is right. I mean, that's, but I'm not going, I'm not going, I'm not going to become a fundamentalist about that. Yeah. And that's one of my fears is that we become fundamentalists on whatever position we hold. Yeah. And you have conservative fundamentalists and you have progressive fundamentalists that do the exact same thing. Um, and I just decided I can't, I can't do that on my timeline. There's other people who want to do that. That's fine. And sometimes I'll even engage with it, but I have to cultivate some place where you can go, Hey, um, I mean, a couple of days ago, right. I, I tweeted out just like, Hey, what's a, what's a theological position that you hold to that you think you might be wrong on. Um, and it was very interesting to see the people that were like, Oh, I, I might be wrong on this. Now, I was a little concerned that like a large portion were like everything. I could be wrong about everything. And I was like, I think there's some things that we hold to, right? Like the divinity of Jesus is something that I cling to pretty strongly. If if Jesus didn't resurrect, then I have no interest in Christianity. But uh, and it was interesting how many people said like this or that. And, and honestly, commentarian was one of the things that came up pretty consistently. Like I hold to this, but I could be wrong. And it's something I'm working through. I was actually impressed how many people just sort of left that alone. Like they let people sit in that. They didn't come back with like, let me give you 17 reasons why you're wrong. Um, Do you guys remember, did you ever make that liquid in like high school or junior high science class that when you, when you squeeze it, it gets hard? Oobleck. Oobleck. What's it called? Oobleck. I've, I've never named it. That's, that's great. I'm going to, can you like text me that word so that I know how to use it? Because I've said this places. Yeah, they, uh, but when you hit, right, the harder you hit it, the harder it gets. Yeah. I don't think people are all that different. Um, every once in a while, someone's hit me in the face with something and I've gone, oh, they're right. But most of the time, that's someone who I have strong relationship with and I trust them. I think a lot of times, the harder we hit those around us that disagree with us, the firmer they get. And so I was really pleased in that particular setting that most people just sort of let people say, hey, this is something I'm not sure about and I'm trying to figure it out. And, and I, that was, because there are things that people said, I'm not, that they weren't sure about it, that I wanted to be like, I'm very sure, let me help you. Um, but I was like, that screws the whole thing that I'm trying to do here. Yeah. Tell me and, the things you're unsure about and I'll convince you to be sure about my- Right, it's a trap, yeah. it's like a bait. Yeah. <laughs> I, um, I get my, my, my mind's just going on some of the things that, that have been shared the last couple of minutes. It just, it, it brings me back to just culture creating. Yeah. Like that's really what we're doing is creating culture and even going all the way back to your comment, Sarah, about, you know, the really scalability of culture that, you know, if you don't have a foundation of this is what the culture is then it can't spread as you scale like it will mm. never be able to catch up the more people that you just bring in. Yeah. Uh, especially if there's only one particular, like, oh, we're all angry. Great. Well, I'm angry about this today. <laughs> and so you're like, yeah, but we don't, we don't ever want to talk about that. That's not what this space is for. That's not what we're trying to create. You go, well, no, someone just told me that the front door here says that I'm angry about this. So I'm, I'm coming in because I'm angry. Like, yeah. I don't care what yeah. I'm here for. <laughs> And so it's the, the culture, I think. And as I, I think about even what we've, what we've seen with you, Aaron, like the cre- creating and, and shaping, and as you're talking about, like the patience of molding a culture in, and, and as much as we can, yeah. molding that culture so that this is how it will continue to grow. 
Yeah. I, and, and I know, like, here's the thing, uh, especially social media. This is true probably in any organization, but especially social media. You can't control everything. I know that. Um, I'd love to, because at the end of the day, I, I, I don't trust. That's, there's one of my toxic traits. Like, it takes me a long time to trust. Uh, I had someone be like, do you not trust me? I was like, no, 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 it's not just you. I don't trust anybody. I was like, don't, don't take offense. Like, I'm sure you're great. Um, so I, I want to hold on, right? And so I recognize that I, I can't control everything. And what, what I can do is leverage the influence that I have in, at, at the spot. And so I, I don't know when it was in my, in my thing, but I realized this has gotten out of control. I don't have a handle on it anymore. Um, I, I'm not going to scrap this and start over, but I do think I need to leverage what I do have in, in a more effective way. Um, I think success and effectiveness don't always look the same, depending on yeah. how you're defining them. And so if I was going to be effective and actually having conversations and it depends on what your game end game is, right? If your end game is simply you want to get your information out and be heard, then it doesn't matter how you say it. Yeah. It doesn't matter. You can say it however you, I mean, this is, and you, we've seen it, you know, you've seen in churches, you've seen in organizations, people don't, if they, if, if their only goal is to get information out to be heard, if that's what it means, if it mean, if being faithful to the gospel means simply making sure that the true information about Jesus or the gospel gets out, then it doesn't matter how you do it. Yeah. But I think that's short selling the gospel in horrible ways. It is. I mean, they were still like the early church was also feeding people and Absolutely. caring for people because it was more than just the transmission of information. Yeah. yeah. So there's, there's a, there's a letter from one of the Caesars to like one of his chief priest people. And he's like, why is Christianity blowing up? And his response is we need to start acting like them. Like when's the last time you've heard that? Right? Like if we want to grow well, we need to act like Christians. And the things he said they did was they, they were taking care of unwanted babies, right? So the, they would take the babies out, whatever. Um, they were sharing a common cup, but not a common bed. I thought that was a fascinating way of saying that. Um, in mm. essence, they're sharing meals together, but they're not sleeping together. What's up with that? And uh, they, they didn't go to the theater, which at that time was basically either sex shows or killing, right? So Christians are like, well, we're not going to watch actual gladiator games and we're not going to watch people have sex on stage. Um, and that was revolutionary. Um, and then they took care of aliens that were coming through. They were building hotels and hostels for people that weren't Romans that didn't have a place to stay on their way through. And the Caesar's going, listen, our priests need to shape it up and start acting more godly. We got to start taking care of people. We got to start taking care of people that aren't even Romans. Um, and so it's obvious that the way the church did it mattered. Yeah. And to Sarah's point, a tweet, uh, that caught fire a couple of series of tweets, right? You know, we always point to Jesus. This, and, and then the next response is, well, Jesus flipped over tables, which is true. He did. He absolutely did. And to my knowledge, he did it once. Um, it wasn't every day. And he was in the tabernacle. He was in the temple. He was in the synagogues all the time. He's reading to them from the Torah all the time. And it wasn't every time that he was like, and you guys are a bunch of sinners and tossing stuff. Like that's- yeah. That's not how, that was not his norm. Yep. Certainly he does it. Anger has its place in worship. Anger has its place in preaching. Anger has its place in ministry. There are things that I'm righteously angry about. Yep. 
but just shooting buckshot in whatever direction isn't changing that stuff. Um, and it's amazing to me, Sarah, how often you post about kindness and the immediate pushback is, you know, yeah, well, you must not care about any oppressed people, you know? And I'm like, that, that's when I want to get involved in your timeline. And I know you're a tough girl and you can take care of yourself, but I'm just like, shut up. You don't know her. You're like, shut up. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's honestly, some of the strongest and weirdest pushback I got was times where I was like, I'm just, I'm not fighting this fight. It's not my battle. And you can't, I can't be passionate about every battle that everyone out there wants me to fight. I can't, I will burn out. And then I'm no good to anyone. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I, I think we do need to look at Jesus. And Jesus certainly called things out when he needed to. But my guess is he was kind enough that a bunch of people were following him, you know? And so, uh, and I don't think it was just because he was mad. And here's the other thing about Jesus. All right, I'm sorry. Can I get into preaching mode just for a second? Let's go. I don't, I'm sorry. Jesus served on both ends of the spectrum. He hangs out with prostitutes and he hangs out with poor people but he's also healing a centurion son and walking with tax collectors. Jesus certainly ran to the margins and the marginalized and the oppressed, but he also ministered to the oppressors because both are trapped in the same system of sin, just from opposite directions. Yes. And if we just shake our fists at groups that we don't think are deserving of grace and mercy because of what they've done, I'm not sure that, we're actually following the ministry of Jesus. Yeah. And I say that fully understanding of my own privilege and place in society that, that makes it easier for me to say that. But I, I don't find Jesus flipping over tables every Saturday. Yeah. Well, oh, go ahead. The feedback I get when I talk about that, like particularly on those three tweets, is people come back and they, they will say either one of two things. They will say, he, well, we have more tables to flip now um than he did in those days as if jesus picked that time to come because it was easy he was like <laughs> actually it's not too bad right now i'm gonna go down and do my thing now right or they come and they say he only ate with with people who were ready to like repent and turn of their lifestyle he only ate and interacted with people who um were there to change and Utter, utterly false utterly right false. he's yeah. eating right. At table with tax collectors and prostitutes right right do you, do you know why he's eating with tax collectors and prostitutes because prostitutes were vilified by the jewish people not because of their job but because the, the jewish lineage was passed through females and so if you as a jewish woman slept with a roman soldier you just brought a roman person into the israelian promise so their anger was more about we don't like them. We don't want them in our system. Tax collectors are funding the oppressors, right? Mm -hmm. So the prostitutes are sleeping with the oppressors. The tax collectors are funding the oppressors and they sit down at the same table because no one else will eat with them. And the mm -hmm. tax collectors were inviting prostitutes because all of the Roman soldiers, when they had parties, would invite prostitutes in. And so the, the tax collectors are trying to look like they're important. And Jesus mm -hmm. sits down at that table. The people that are funding yeah. the oppressors and the people that are bringing the oppressors into the promise. Yeah. And that's who he's eating with. Mm. And there's no way that every one of them was like, oh, Jesus, you're so, you're so right. I need to yeah. give up all of this. Because we know they kept following him while keeping those jobs for a while, some of them. Yeah. Mm. And 
And the, the thing, like I had a conversation with someone this morning who is someone who like has, has taken and turned her attention to caring for people who have been, she was hurt by the church and now she cares for people who are hurt by the church. And she's had a rough interaction with somebody else who was hurt by the church and now they um, desire to care for those, for others who are hurt by the church. And there's, there was, uh, there's been misunderstanding and, um, and they're hurt and they're like, it's just all this hurt. But I had this conversation and I thought about this table flipping thing because people get riled up and ready to go flip tables left and right, but they don't take the time to consider, um, that there might be someone hiding under that table because it's not safe for them to move yet. Or there might be someone who brought food to that table who needs to figure out how to get their dish back before they can leave. And there might be someone who is, is I mean, it's just not the right time. It's not safe for them to have their table flipped. And to stand there and flip it for them. Fantastic metaphors, by the way. As as someone who who deals almost exclusively in analogies and metaphors, these are those are golden. But but to flip a table for a person is it takes away any dignity. Like they have to have they have to be able to make that choice. They have to be able to step back. And if you flip the table on them, they lose things. They lose their hiding space. They lose their I can't think of what the, their autonomy, they, they lose their power in that situation. And it's also not right to stand there and be like, flip it now, flip it now, or you are, you are allowing them to treat you like this, flip it now, or you are, you are implicit in your own abuse and to abuse them for not moving back fast enough at your time. I, and I so have, I've been watching that this week, um, in a couple different situations, mm. And, and to watch the vitriol and the, the dismissiveness of someone, and, and it's been multiple people, and I think one of them might actually be one of the words you're talking about. Like, I've been watching this up, and I'm just sitting and watching and going, that's a person. Yeah. And they, 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 yes, they may have been wrong. I have been wrong. I will be wrong. All right? I, I do a post about once every thousand followers that says, I'm going to disappoint you. If it has not happened yet, it's because you haven't followed me long enough. Give it time. Um, I just had a meeting with a lady at our church and, and I said, look, I need you to know that, that I'm going to disappoint you. And, and I hope that, I hope that it, as, as a, your pastor, that you'll see that that wasn't intentional or if it was intentional, if I did do something intentionally harmful that um, I, didn't, I didn't understand or that I'm in the wrong and that I can accept that. Um, grace is scandalous. It just is. And, and I, I get why we don't like the whole, oh, but by the grace of God, go I, when we see someone do some horrible, horrible thing that I've never been tempted to do and probably never will, right? But, but people reject grace because someone that they think didn't deserve it gets it. And I don't, that doesn't seem healthy. Um, I'm glad I'm not the arbiter of grace. I'm glad that I don't get to decide when someone is redeemed or not and when when they're worthy enough to come back into the public light or come back on Twitter or do whatever it is that, that they need to do. I'm glad that's not my call. Um, I have some thoughts on it. 
truthfully, I think there's certain things that I don't know you can come back the same way. Um, no. But yeah, you, you, the whole, if you're not flipping all the tables with me, all the same tables at the same time, that you're complicit in everything that we're against, um, that's, that just reeks of fundamentalism, right? Like it, it reeks of, if you don't 100% agree with everything I'm saying, you're on the other team. And, and this is what I fought against in conservative fundamentalism. And now I've got all these progressive people in my life and I'm like, wait, 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 wait. You're doing the same thing. Like, how is this okay? Um, yeah, that's yeah, a great. And, Don, and this is, and this is great. And I agree, Sarah, these, the, the, the ideas of like, there really is uh, an element of self-control. You know, we talk about the, the spirit that we've been given uh, of love, right? Yeah. Not of fear, but of love, power, and self-control or sound mind. And when we can't think, slow down enough to think about other people, are we thinking of being sober? Like, are we sober-minded in the way that we're going about and acting? Um, one of the things that I, I think about, and correct me if I'm wrong, but the context of Jesus flipping the table is he's on his way to the cross. This isn't him doing his everyday ministry. This is like in the process of like the whole crux of Christianity, like he is on the way to tear down yeah. the wall between us and God. He is on his way to the, the, the cross, the gospel, the good news that like no more, no more. The kingdom is here and this is the way of the kingdom. And for all who have, who are continuing to oppress, like this is one of the first things that needs to happen is you need to know that the temple is not as it should be. And guess what? I'm going to go do the work to make it so. Yeah. It's in context. And if we, if, if that's true, if we want to play the game of Jesus was flipping tables, then we have to honor the way that he did it. Yeah. He, and, he and chose I his battles. And, and so- uh -huh. Go ahead, Darren. Well, I just want to take what you said a step further. I don't know that this is fully correct, but I'm going to say it anyway. I'm okay with you flipping those tables if you are okay for dying for those people. Mm -hmm. Right? Like, if that's, if that's the context we're talking about, he's flipping the tables. And when he dies, he's not dying just for the ones that he's defending. Right? He's dying for the ones that are pressing them too. And so let's flip tables. As long as your mentality is the cross style of life. Yeah. Um, and I think but when you're good. Scott, so Sky Jatani has talked several times over the past couple years about this. Like the flipping table was this, this purposeful action that stirred things up that led to the cross. Yeah. And so it was an inciting, an inciting incident. Like when you, the, the other thing, when you talk about, are you willing to die for them? It's also, are you willing to like accept the consequences of your actions? Mm. And so it's not just, do I have the heart? Of course, of course I would die for this victim that I flipped the table for. But are you also willing then, once you flipped the table where the victim was sitting to walk with them and to help them through the trauma of that explosive moment? Are you willing to help them find a new job? Are you willing to help them find a counselor? Are you willing to provide for them when they've lost that income? Are you willing to accept the, 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 the consequences 
of your actions. And, and the other thing that I think about with this is that we, that often when we think about the table flipping conversation, it is talked about as if Jesus just finally got fed up and went off and, and or he hadn't done anything up until that point about addressing <laughs> injustice and oppression. But Jesus was at tables day in and day out of addressing injustice, dismantling oppressive systems. He was doing it in a different way. And it wasn't like he just got to the point where he was like, well, this different way doesn't work. So I'm going to go throw some stuff and then I'm going to go die. And I figured it out because I'm just mad enough now. And I think but he would, yes, he would yeah, yeah, critique ahead, his, his kindness, his eating, his, his sharing a meal and his, his, and what he was doing in those moments, when we see him at those tables, he was, what we're talking about with you, Aaron. Oh no. I think we lost her. Her kids might be on the internet. It happened <laughs> last week. School's <laughs> out. Sarah, no. Uh, okay, so until we get her back, um, one of the things about yeah. this whole table flipping and, and yeah, the law yeah. and, and you know, what was actually happening in the temple, one of the, we all love Leviticus, right? Like that's like the number one Bible study book is Leviticus. Absolutely, mine, yeah. Um, I, I mean, right after uh, Lamentations, you know? Uh, <laughs> and so, but, but in Leviticus, I remember I, I was studying through Leviticus last, two years ago, last year, and just reading through like, okay, so for the sin offering, like if you can't bring a bull, then you can bring this. And if you can't bring a, a, a lamb, then bring a, 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 you know, this. And if you can't, yeah. well, then go get a bird. And if you can't, well, then it'll be here. And like just yeah. on and on and on and on and yeah. on and on was, okay, I'm making a way. And if that way doesn't work, I'm making, I'm like, I have space for that. And if that doesn't work, I have space for that. And it's the accessibility to grace that God and mercy that God was making in the old Testament yes. because of the law. Yes. And what does Jesus say when he flips the tables? You've made this a, a, a den of thieves. You, you are, you know, charging people money like and, and ridiculous amounts of money and thinking like it is not, it, there was animals that weren't actually fit for sacrifice. Yeah. Right. And, and it is getting in the way and putting up obstacle to the mercy that God has already given space for. You're almost not just stealing their money, you're stealing their grace. Yes. Yes. And so, and, and really that is it, right? Like you've made this temple a den of thieves. You have taken what God has said, I am putting forth the effort to just show up and do what I've asked. Right. And like, I have grace and mercy in yeah. buckets. Yeah, for sure. And, and you're getting in the way of that. And, and you're still calling yourself holy. Like right. that's, that's what the, the, the table oh. that God is flipping. Right. That's sorry. Sorry, Sarah, Fortnite pirates. No, it wasn't anything. It was, the only thing that's on in the house is one YouTube video. Mm. So I shut down the YouTube video and sent Frank outside. They're all outside now. <laughs> um, uh, can you restart your thought? Cause it was a really good thought and I want to get the whole best thought. thought. It's the thought that I was trying to and that was the one tweet that didn't get looked at it or it got looked at less. Anyway. Satan's at work. Okay. So people act like Jesus just couldn't get it figured out until he freaked out. Right. But he was, he was at those tables. I don't know how you're going to stitch this together, Hector. It's a, it's a right mess. 
Okay. So like we're talking about with Aaron, like Jesus was strategic in what he was doing at the tables he was eating at. So what we're talking about with Aaron is how you manage the conversation out there with people who you disagree with or people who don't see things the same way. And like, I think about um, when the woman comes in and he's, he's reclining at the table, you know, and she's weeping and the men see her and they're like, if he knew what kind of woman this was, he wouldn't let her do that. And they see her and define her as like, of course he's as messy, as disgusting, as other, as dirty, as the enemy. And you would never let someone like that around you. If you really knew, if you had an idea of what you were, of who you were talking with, you wouldn't align yourself with that person. And then Jesus says, do you see this woman? And of course, she's making a spectacle of herself. Of course they see this woman, but they don't see her and they don't see her as a woman. They Mm. see her as a mess. They see her as a, as a disgusting, filthy mess. And he identifies her as her created nature. And he says, do you see her? Like, do you see her? So when we, when we are out on the timeline, like that's the kind of table we're at where you have people who are like, if you understood the progressive that you were aligning with the conservative that you were aligning with the, the, um, like how can I have engage engaging good conversations with people who don't believe that women should be in ministry, but I do, I do. Um, and it's, it's because like when Aaron talked about that, like seeing their, their heart, you know, I I'm looking for who this person is and I'm acknowledging that there are people who are in that position who like at your tweet, who say, yeah, I'm in that position, but like, I'm working through it and they're not going to work through it by me punching them in their face. They're just, gotcha. gonna, that's why women shouldn't be in ministry <laughs> yeah. because yeah. they're emotional because they are snippy and, and whatever. And they'll cut me down. Which is the exact often, which is the exact manner in which they've come into the conversation is emotionally yeah. charged and snippy and cutting. Right. Yeah. Twitter has helped me see that I think a lot that uh, I'm not sure men should be in leadership because they're they're just a little too emotional. Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I will say, like in those, there have been conversations that I've had with people who um, who I'm not able to arrive at that like at that at um, tailoring the conversation by myself, and it. And in those, like I would say nine times out of 10, it is in the situations where we are having a good conversation about something else, about some theological something. And then I express a different opinion, but they are of the the bent that men hold authority over women and women must submit to men. And so it, it turns into where I am not allowed to express a dissenting opinion from any man, particularly them. Um, and, um, I really have, and I think about like in those table flipping moments, there was, when I first got on Twitter, I would just start to argue about the, okay, well, I understand like, this is about the validity of, of women and their voices and blah, blah, blah. And I would argue about that. 
Um, now it's a little like, I just, I can't say these same, I can't type these things. I need a document where I save them and just copy paste or something. And if I'm not, not going to do that. Then I just, I just have to let these people go and say like, if, if what you think is that we're not gracious, women can't be kind and whatever, I'm never going to be able to be smart enough or to be anything enough to overcome that I'm a woman for this person. But I have appreciated. I was gonna say, do you still have the do you still have the pin tweet for a while? You got it, the tea party one. Yeah, yeah, that's always my pin tweet. I love it. I'm never, I'm never gonna change. Not everyone's cup of tea, and if you want to go have a tea party with somebody else, I understand. But I, I, I'll be honest. I think you do that very graciously. Yes. Um. And and it, I don't know. You, ca- I feel like you catch a lot more flack than I do. Um. And it might simply be because you're a girl. I don't know. Um. But uh, I, I feel like you, you're really good at, at deflecting that and just saying, well, why would you say that? You know, uh, better than most, I would say, sorry, go on. I, I just wanted to put that out. Well, and I've thought about like, when we talked about you flip the table and someone's considering their dish that they want to take or somebody's hiding and it, it and it could feel really like, I, I know Aaron, that you care about the topic of women in ministry and you care not just about the topic, but the women who are in ministry um, and that you have um, sometimes occasionally entered in, like I would say alongside me in these conversations. Yeah. And um, sometimes you just help me step back, which I appreciate. Sometimes I just need to go away, you know? <laughs> yeah, no, I know, I get it. Sometimes yeah. I just need to go drive my kids somewhere or take a walk or, you know, whatever. Yeah, but sometimes- say, most of the time I try to come in, especially you can kind of tell, Let's be honest, there's people that are actively going, how can you really believe that? And then there's people that are going like, you Jezebel, mm-hmm. um, you know, practicer of witchcraft type deal. Those people, like I, I have three different shoe um, mm-hmm. gifts that I, <laughs> that I put on under their comments. Like, cause I'm just like, this isn't a real conversation. You're not trying to have a real conversation. It's obviously me not having a real conversation. We're not engaged. But I think, I think you've had people on your timeline who I think genuinely, I think, I think they find the fact that there are women that are thoughtful and care about scripture and um, aren't, trying to, aren't trying to flip all the tables. They're just trying to, to do the ministry. Um, I think they find that fascinating, truthfully. Well, and I do know, I have known, um, I mean, I've been on Twitter for a year and a half. I still like to occasionally be like, it's, I'm sorry, I'm new here. You know? <laughs> but. I've been here for a year and a half. And um, in that year and a half, I have seen men tell me that they don't believe in women in ministry. And that was a year and a half ago. And today I know that they do. That's and, cool. they've, and they've changed. And that's um, hard work. And it's not like I didn't, I didn't sit there and bully them into it. I didn't convince them scripturally. And I'm never going to be able to. Um, and I don't, I wouldn't say that like those guys who've made that switch, it's like entirely me. I would never say that, but I know that I am able to see that change in their life and in their mind and in their heart because I was, I maintained, I allowed them to work through their, their process of it. Yeah. Um, but I, one of the things I think about Aaron, when you come, come in and there are times that you engage in the conversation alongside side me and, and I think it's important. Important, like 
they're like you think about the way that Jesus navigated the conversations, particularly protecting women. And and he didn't um he didn't diminish them. He wasn't like, stand aside, little lady, and let me protect you. <laughs> yeah. he, he said, Do you see this woman? Yeah. Like, do you see this person with worth and value? Do you see her? Can you hear her? Like, recognize what this is. This is a valuable person. And so, like, um, I just have thought and I appreciate that the defense, some of the best defending I've had on Twitter is from people, particularly you, Aaron, who don't sum up my entire personhood as me. Sure. Like, yeah. I think that's an important aspect to how we engage online yes. when yeah. we see someone who we perceive to be the victim or the lesser or the weaker or the one that's getting jumped on. Yeah. Because that that does give us the urge to flip a table. It does give us the urge to start a fight yeah. and which would then make it real easy to build the outrage platform. Um, yeah, for sure. No, you're, you're dead on. And it, and it, and it, I've heard multiple people who look at people that think of themselves as allies and whatever that situation would be and go, they're not helping. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I've seen it. I, I've seen uh, friends of ours that are people of color on Twitter be like, that person thinks they're progressive ally, uh, you know, ally, and they are outside of the camp. Like they are not, that, that's not what I want at all. Like you're bringing worse things in this conversation, you know, type deal. Or, or on the, the flip side, I think, you know, and it's a reminder, I think, to all of us that no matter, no matter what we're doing, um, Jesus should be at the center of our framework. Yeah. And, and it's a full facet of Jesus. I recognize that. And, and that's the crazy thing when you talk about kindness and people freak out, like you don't care about marginalized people. I'm like, no, no, you, you, you can serve marginalized people. And, and be angry and still not go off the rails and be sinful, you know? And um, again, I, you know, I'm not perfect at that. And, and I, sometimes if you, I'll look through my tweets and I'll see a couple and be like, oh, that, that, that contradicted a couple of things I said a few days ago. Um, but, I, but I do think there's a, um, there's gotta be a way to cultivate community, to cultivate conversation, and to to build the, the culture as Hector's talking about, or the, uh, the phrase, uh, you know, the DNA of what we're trying to do um, in a welcoming way. I know it's not, it's a word that, you know, that's been on attack recently, but in a winsome way um, and in an effective way. So. Hey, man, I, I just, I'm loving this conversation and uh, just, it's fascinating. You know, we, we wanted to talk about so many things with you because i think again we we've watched you online and obviously sarah knows you in real life in, in person <laughs> let me let me let me say that you know i know we, we all struggle with like getting used to saying in person versus in real life but um man i one i think this is the official like we're gonna have to have you come back um i'd love to we're gonna put the you know we're gonna put it out on twitter that you're coming back <laughs> um before season two whenever season two drops yeah. uh <laughs> we're still season never stop season one <laughs> <laughs> season. 
you know what? Some seasons are longer than others. Um, so, but, uh, you know, we always ask two questions because and I, I think as, as we've been on this conversation, you know, there's a, a wide gamut of experience that, that you've had on, in online space and, and um, in helping to shape conversations. And so we know that there are listeners here who are thinking, how do I do this? And, and is it worth it? And um, how do I go about it? And sometimes it just helps to hear um, highlights and lowlights. And so sure. we, we just want to hear from you uh, today. Tell us about a time that you failed when all the things that we've talked about, yeah. right? all the things, the flipping tables and everything, but just where you tried to operate in good faith and it just did not go well. So I, uh, I had a tweet. Um, it's been a while back now that um, I was kind of being a little vulnerable like some stuff was going on and I was, I did not know how to handle it. Uh, I was overwhelmed. And I, I, I put out a tweet and at the end of it, I had requested prayer uh, for the situation and then was gone, left and came back. And there was a firestorm on my feet that I was not anticipating. Um, and it was a situation that, was the whole situation I was involved in was scary and it was emotional and I was tired. Um, and I was just utterly shocked about how stuff happened. I was hurt. I was, I was, I was emotionally hurt um, because I didn't understand what was going on. Um, and I, I will say now, I don't think what I posted was wrong. I, I still don't, I still don't understand the hubbub they got out. Um, but it created a whirlwind over the next two weeks uh, of anger. And then I think, I think what happened is we stepped into a creek and a bunch of the stuff at the bottom came up that had been there for a while that I don't think were in any way connected to what happened. Um, but I, I went into defensive mode because I was so hurt. And I was just like, I'm not dealing with this. I have no clue what just happened. I don't know why this happened and I'm not dealing with it. And so I just shut down. I absolutely shut down and I actually walked away from Twitter for like two weeks. Um, and I just let, I let it play out. I let the drama play out with other people because I was not getting involved. Um, I, I lost friends over that. And I don't, I don't, I don't know that I know what I could have done. Honestly, I, like it's like, it's one of those things I look back and go, what could I have done better? How could I have handled this better? And I'm, I know I could have. I absolutely know I could have, um, but I was so hurt and just so like, why is this getting, what is happening that um, it, it was a rough, it, it was, it was a rough situation. Um, that's probably my, honestly, my biggest failure on Twitter um, was, was the way that all happened. Um, Cause it was people that I cared about. I truly did. And, and still do. Um, I desire their flourishing and hope things are going well. Um, so that was kind of a, that was kind of a gross Twitter moment. It really actually soured me on Twitter to the point that I wasn't sure I was coming back. Um, and then like, there was this voice in the back of my head that sounded a lot like Sarah. That was like, if you believe in this, you have to be able to redeem the platform. Um, and so, <laughs> so like, I, I came back and, and honestly, it was, it was a turning point for me. Cause I said, you know, I realized I've created some outrage that maybe I shouldn't have. Maybe, maybe I've created an expectation that this is the way we handle things. And, and I need to, to not be that anymore. I'm not blaming others for being that. I'm not saying that they're wrong. Everyone's got their story and their journey. I just know that I, 
I think if you went back to that and went backwards and forwards, you would see a slightly different tone in Twitter for me. Uh, victory wise, I mean, I think, I think there's honestly, I don't know that I can point to one, but there are, there are relationships that have been cultivated online for me that I've, I've never met these people in person. Hector, I think this is the first time we've talked on Zoom or anything. Zoom, yeah. We've never, uh, and so like, and like, I have mad respect for you. Like watching the stuff that you guys do, like I love retweeting the, you know, when you guys do your thing. And so for me, like the relationships that have been cultivating, the stories that have been told, being able to meet with men whose wives um, are going through breast cancer treatments has been a huge part of my story online. Um, uh, I've probably met on the phone or on FaceTime with five or six men who are, whose wives are going through that. Shara sent care packages to uh, a girl in California that was going through breast cancer of like, hey, this is a lip gloss that helped me. This was lotion that helped me. Like, we've never talked to these people outside of, I've never talked to people outside of Twitter. Um, and honestly, those are the stories that I go back to to remind me that it, it's not the platform. It's not disseminating information. There are, there are true real relationships that have been cultivated and continue to be cultivated uh, through it. And so those, I guess my, my victories and defeats are the same thing. It's the relationships. Um, some have been lost and some have been cultivated. And the ones that have been lost are painful defeats. And the ones that have been cultivated are, are really exciting victories. Well, Aaron, we're, we're very glad to have had you on and we'll be very glad when you come back on because we have more questions. Um, I, you know, I'm, I'm always team Aaron, you know, <laughs> I'm always like, I'm glad that, I'm glad that you um, brought me on, um, suggested Twitter to me. It's been a life-giving thing in my life, even though sometimes it's, crazy um and it's just I don't I you know I don't know how to explain to anybody who would listen to this just how special it is to have this connection to someone from courthouse you know to someone from heritage and that like the door I came in to twitter was someone that I knew that I could trust you know yeah um I think like, I think that I, when you say like the losing of the friendship genuinely hurt, like I can, I can vouch for that. Um, and um, this is why I think I'm always on team Aaron is because I can vouch. I feel like you can vouch for me and I can vouch for you that, that you are genuinely who you are presenting to be and that you, your intention is, um, your intention on the front end is 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 good, and you are willing to come back and say, "I've been hurt, and I I may have hurt somebody else, and um, what can I do to make that right?" Um, I really appreciate you. Well, thank you. Um, yeah, I don't. I I just you know. I really do appreciate you. I appreciate, yeah, 
I don't know how to make it to express it. The, it makes me feel like I've still got a connection to, to Bruce, yeah, you know? Yeah. yeah, for sure. Um, for sure. I wish yeah. all good things for you, Aaron. And, <laughs> Appreciate that. And I and I look forward to reading your book. <laughs> yes. Ah. Someday. Someday. Come on. Soon. Come on. <laughs> you're not. You're not too busy right now, Aaron. Yeah. We'll get out. <laughs> it's all right. Yeah, well, hey, thanks. Thanks so much. This has been a really good conversation. Thank thanks you, everyone man. for for listening and just joining us every week. And and what uh. Yeah, what just a, a great journey we've been on. I think I say that every every episode now that we're just on a great exploration. And you know, you don't ever know where that journey is gonna take you when you sit out like on a, a real exploration. You don't know what's coming. You just get to experience it. And um I think there there's just continually more and more that we're we're seeing as we explore that is ultimately le leads back to this is this is God's work and, and he is at work and we're not we're not exploring so that we say, God, look at this place that you know nothing about what we're doing is coming alongside and God gets to say, do you see that I've been here and will you continue to call people here? And uh, I think for me, that has been something that uh, more and more uh, wells up in me. And so, Aaron, thank you so much for, for talking to us about how to how to have conversations well how to to see people well i think the 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 how to even have angry conversations when they're needed well um i appreciate you, you guys i uh, i'm a big fan of you too um the way you engage online i, I i'm a long time listener first time caller uh <laughs> of your guys not last but not last that's right <laughs> Hey, thanks, Aaron. We'll see you. Thanks, everyone, for listening. And make sure to check out check out some of the other shows on the, the podcast network. We love being a part of the Digital Church Podcast Network and seeing the work that God's doing in that as well. So awesome. See you guys.